Hey folks, a couple of quick announcements. Jim and I are doing a live event in Walt Disney World in 2017. The dates are November 10th through the 13th, and we'll be putting more information at our travel partners website, storybookdestinations.com slash DisneyDish. We plan to spend those couple of days walking through the parks and telling stories. We're hoping Pandora is open then too, and we plan to have lots of stories about that. Visit storybookdestinations.com slash DisneyDish to join us. Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and before Jim himself is inaugurated in the Hall of Presidents, we thought we would do this show for January 15th. Let us welcome back our Commander-in-Chief himself, one, Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? You know, I don't think I really have the hair for the job. That's <laughs> a requirement these days, you know. <laughs> I just don't have enough to sort of swirl up and, and do that. Speaking of which, did you, mm -hmm. did you ever think about the Imagineer whose job it's going to be in a couple of weeks to craft the hairdo of, our, of the president? Like, yeah. Like, like, that's their new job. Was, Honey, what'd you do today? How was, your, how was, how was work? It, just don't. Just don't. <laughs> I, I don't know if you saw the folks who do the, the wax museum. Uh, the, the folks back in London had already started working on the Trump figure, and they were just talking about how we're going to have to send out for more yak hair. <laughs> you know, somewhere there's a yak getting shaved right now because it's like that, that hairdo is, is going to be challenging. Yeah, I mean, nobody, when you think about it, right, nobody mm -hmm. really cares what James Buchanan's hair looks like. No. Right? No. Even though our, our forefathers had some pretty wacky ideas about hair. Mm -hmm. The wigs were not only a party, it was a fashion statement. So to have a new sort of hairdo now is something we haven't had, I guess, in a long time. Was it going to be JFK with the last one whose hair was most notable? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I remember talking with the, the guy who was working at the Hall of Presidents. He was talking about the toughest guy actually to do was Eisenhower because he had the bad 50s comb over, you know, like the, the, oh, the, yeah, 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 like yeah. the 13 hairs that were you know, sort of draped over his head. How do you make that presidential? That's funny. I'll have to go back and look at Ike now, Ike's, uh, Ike's hairdo next time the uh, Hall of Presidents is open. So, Jim, before we get started, uh, some, some news. Actually, that broke literally minutes before we started recording this. So, Disneyland is offering some amendments to its FastPass program. For one, the Toy Story Mania attraction at DCA and Matterhorn at Disneyland will now get FastPass, mm -hmm. which is mildly interesting because it's rare for them to, uh, for Disney to add FastPass to existing attractions this long after the program has debuted, right? You have to understand, this is the first domino to fall. 2019, 2020, we're, we're looking at the Star Wars experience coming online at Disneyland and Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. That's just the first part of a huge new Marvel-themed land that's going into DCA. And the belief is that Disneyland is going to see a wave of people coming. And okay. as a direct result, in order to spread the people around the park... It's time to revisit the concept of FastPass. And starting with these two very popular, already popular attractions, Toy Story Mini and, and Matterhorn, this is a test of the new system. And depending on how this is received, we're going to see some, some changes ripple out across that resort. So a couple of interesting things. In DCA, Toy Story Mania only has two tracks. So yeah. it will be in, in the situation that Hollywood Studios' Toy Story Mania was last year mm -hmm. um, with only two tracks. 
you see them splitting it up 50-50 in terms of uh, capacity for the ride. Mm-hmm. One side fast pass, one side not. Well, yeah. And, and in fact, that that's what I find intriguing about the choice of the Matterhorn. Because remember, same thing, double track. What does this do for queuing for both of these attractions? Because the way Toy Story Mania was set up to have the, the Mr. Potato Head figure to 200 people, 10 people standing outside... Likewise, the very thing of one of the things that, that makes Disneyland seem so so active and lively is that long line that goes around the Matterhorn. And yeah, <laughs> both, both sides. Both uh, sides. So You mentioned the distribution thing, and I think that's one of the interesting effects of FastPass Plus in the Disney parks is that it's dispersed guests. It's spread them more evenly mm-hmm. throughout the park. One of the things that we, we see when we look at wait times is that the wait times have gone down for the headliner attractions, and they've gone up for what we used to consider the secondary attractions, the Pirates of the Caribbean of the World, the Haunted Mansions, the Buzz Lightyear, and whatnot, mm-hmm. Dinosaur. Disney could have got that by doing straight Fast Pass Plus at Disneyland and DCA, but they're not, right? So the other announcement that, that they made today mm-hmm. was the launch of this product called Disney Max Pass, which is $10 a day for the ability to make Essentially, it's FastPass Plus in Disneyland for $10 a day. Or you can use the old paper FastPass system for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, that $10 price, Disney notes, is an introductory price. Yeah. If they really wanted distribution, mm-hmm. they could have simply implemented FastPass Plus at Disneyland. We know that the My Disney Experience app internally already has support for Disneyland. Because if you look at the code, you can see it. And if you look at the data that the app is transmitting, you know, if you look on the wire, you can see mm-hmm. it. Why didn't they just roll out FastPass Plus at Well, Disneyland? there's a number of, of underlying issues here. One is a 60-plus-year-old infrastructure, at least in the original park, that coupled with the fact that you don't have your Florida-sized walkways. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the number of FastPass attractions for the parks were jumping now from 14 to 16. Remember, it was up in the high 20s early on, and Disney actually took rides out of the system because there were so many people in the park. Right now, they can get 49,000 or thereabouts into the parks, but you know, back when FastPass was in full implementation or the earlier iteration, 40,000 people in that park would fe- feel really, really crowded because you know, there were all these people out of line. They were wandering around the park, shopping, eating, that sort of thing. Interestingly, somebody tweeted to me, like, you know, Len, you know, do you think that Disney would do this in Orlando, this $10 charge. And I said, you know, realistically, if you think about Disney's management and their pursuit of the dollar, Mm -hmm. the things that I would consider them, like just being beyond the pale, things that that Disney would never consider doing for money, Mm -hmm. pretty much starts with harvesting guest kidneys. And I'm not sure that there's actually a number two at this point. So, you know, like like when you think about Disney management, what's off the table? Okay, well, well, we, we can't harvest their kidneys when they sleep. Okay, yeah, every you know, around the table, everyone agrees to that. And they're like, okay, well, what else? And there's this long pause. <laughs> you know? No, no, I, 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 I have to admit that in the past year, whether it's it's the premium parking or the transportation system for within the park, I mean, there is this huge pressure to create these additional revenue streams. And this is a when situation as to when it shows up in Florida, not an if. So what the Disney blog doesn't say is mm-hmm. whether that $10 charge for the, mobile, uh, the ability to book mobily mm-hmm. on your phone, whether that allows... You know, 30 or 60 days in advance booking. So if you pay $10, do you get a 60-day head start on the people who are just getting the paper fast passes? Mm. Or, or, or is it just 
day of for everyone. Uh, so the, if the $10 gets you at two months in advance, I mean, it's game over for, for people who are doing day of planning, right? Yeah. Rolling this out in California. Well, let's face it. You know, most guests are day guests. Hey, let's go to Disneyland this weekend. The bulk of the people drive in for the day. So it's an intriguing place to sort of walk this out to do the tests and then see if it travels east. So yeah, that's uh, that's gonna be interesting. We'll uh, we'll see what happens. All right, uh, switching over to our to our second topic of the uh, of the show, Jim. Let's talk about dining surveys. So as you know, touringplans.com and the unofficial guide send out surveys to all of our readers and users after their trips to Walt Disney World. And we ask them all kinds of questions about their trip, including their hotel, their car rental, the attractions, and you know, the places they ate. So I'd like to talk a little bit about the dining uh, survey results from all of our 2016 surveys, which we just compiled this first week of 2017. Are you ready? Cool. Yeah. All right. So we got 122,352 dining surveys in 2016 for Walt Disney World. So just to put that in perspective, mm-hmm. that's more dining surveys about Walt Disney World than Yelp and TripAdvisor have combined over their entire lifetimes. Yikes. It, okay. It's a lot. We got 3,891 surveys just for Be Our Guest in the Magic Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Let's go over a couple of the results here. I want to talk about the top 10 table service, the top 10 counter service restaurants. We'll get some thoughts on those, and then we'll maybe talk about a couple of places that didn't fare so well and the rumors around them. How's that sound? Works for me. All right. So starting from the bottom, top 10 table service restaurants in Walt Disney World. Number 10, Tiffin's over at the Animal really? Kingdom. Right yes. out of the gate? Wow. Right. At 93% thumbs up mm-hmm. on it, which is phenomenal. Again, we're probably looking at something like, you know, 300 surveys mm-hmm. or something like that. I've, you know, I've eaten here a couple of times. I really like the place. I think mm-hmm. the food is, is great. In terms of the, the atmosphere, the ambiance, the decor, it's good. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's spectacular. But, you know, if you were to, to sit somebody down at this table and just look at the food and maybe a little bit of the atmosphere, I would be hard-pressed to tell the difference between that and say Jico because I think the food is of comparable quality. If this, I think we all agree. If Tiffin's is at, was at a, a resort, it'd be mm-hmm. destination dining, right? It's the $100 admission charge to get into the park that keeps people away from it, right? Yeah. The fact that, you know, as of right now, there's a dead end. I mean, you know, that this yeah. is built yeah. at the one of the two entrances to Pandora, the world of Avatar. And of course, all that changes in, we hope, a few months. So Yeah, a few months. Yeah, and, and, uh, that's what I'm telling people now. Uh, go there while you still can, because no, once uh, Avatar one. opens, once Pandora yeah. opens, it's, you know, you never will get in again. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the other interesting thing, and we'll talk about that on another show, but Nomad Lounge, mm-hmm. um, if, we, if we rated bars separately, would be the highest rated bar lounge in Walt Disney World. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I have to admit, I love the outdoor deck area. Yeah. But wow, that high. Service is good. I think the drinks are actually very well balanced. Mm-hmm. For what they are, typically when when you're in Walt Disney World, if you order a mixed drink, mm-hmm. especially a cocktail from their cocktail menu, the overwhelming flavor that you get is is sweet. They are super super sugary, super super sweet drinks. But at Nomad, they seem to be way more balanced. So tart where it's supposed to be tart, sour where it's supposed to be sour. And I think they do a really good job with the uh, with the drinks over at Nomad Nomad Lounge. I think part of their secret to success is the fact that sometimes they're not very busy and they can put more attention 
on each individual drink again once the crowds come no that's, you know, it's, exactly you got six months folks go yeah this so. is gonna be this is gonna be one of those one of those things where uh, 10 years from now, now we're all gonna sit back and say remember when mm. yeah so. All right, so let's go with uh, number nine. Kona Cafe at the Polynesian, 93% thumbs up. Also, this is actually tied with Garden Grill over at The Land in Epcot. And I've eaten at both these places in the last month. I gotta say, I, I like them both. Mm-hmm. Kona Cafe, I like, I like a little bit more for breakfast than for mm-hmm. lunch or dinner. Well, and for me, you know, given the number of friends who I have who live in, in and around the parks, the number of times that that's their default place, let's, let's have lunch or, or breakfast yeah. at Kona Cafe, I mean, that that's kind of speaks a lot about the level of quality and, and you know, the, the food and the service there. The thing I think that surprises people the most their first time at Kona is this. They typically end up there, I'm guessing, because they can't get into Ohana. And they end up at Kona and like it better. You have to do Ohana at least once, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, there's the, all, all the meat you can eat uh, yeah. theme going yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Garden Grill, I just ate at last uh, December 2. It served uh, family style in a skillet. Mm-hmm. There's steak. There's ham. There's sausage, there's turkey, so it's every major food group. Mashed potatoes, macaroni and cheese. I think there's green beans if you wanted a vegetable. Laurel got the vegetarian side, but it's it's all the food you can eat. Tasty rolls, good service. Mm. Plus the restaurant rotates, but it rotates. It's The speed of the rotation is such that you get one full rotation during your entire meal. So Disney knows that the average meal is somewhere between 60 and 70 minutes. And the rotation of the your table in the restaurant is such that you will finish one complete rotation within 60 or 70 minutes. So the next restaurant after that, it's another Magic Kingdom monorail resort. It's the Grand Floridian Cafe. Also, 93%. Thumbs up on this. I like it. I've had a couple of things here. Everything's been very good. Service mm-hmm. is good. You can walk in relatively easily, even during breakfast. I've had breakfast here. I've had lunch here. I haven't had dinner here in a long time. i got to go back and do that. But again, a solid set of recommendations. I like how subversive the staff is there. I had breakfast there for a press event, and there was this, this woman who was actually asking about how to get from Disney property over to Universal. And the cast member who was pouring the orange juice sort of looked around to make sure there was no manager and then walked them through exactly how to do it. <laughs> Well, you have to go take the, the the bus down to downtown Orlando, but you change the bus, and then you know the the, the links will get you there. But don't tell anybody I told you this. Okay, here's what you're gonna do. See? <laughs> no, exactly. So. Outside, there's a manhole cover. You're gonna pop it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Knock three times and ask for Vinny. All right. Uh, next one after that, staying on the Magic Kingdom monorail in the number seven spot, California Grill. There are very few times when I when I don't agree with our readers, and again, this is probably like a thousand readers that have voted for it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's that great. I think California Girl gets a lot of its, they get a lot of mileage out of the view of the fireworks. Mm-hmm. I think the food is good. This can be uneven. I'm willing to say I, I could be wrong here. Year after year, California Grill in the top ten list of Disney World sit-down restaurants continues this time. I, c- I could be wrong here. It could just be me that I don't like California. No, I, I think you could sit in that venue and they could hand you grilled cheese sandwiches and you'd say, this is amazing. Yeah, you know, the fireworks so. and, the, and the sound effects. And I do like the decor. I think the decor is great. Again, location cannot mm-hmm. be beat You know, for the fireworks. I also think it's crowded. But it, this is a case where I, I'm willing to admit, or at least concede, the readers may be right and I may be wrong. All right, okay. number six, staying on the Magic Kingdom monorail, Victorian Alberts. Grandfully, 94% thumbs up. This is actually a little low for uh, Victorian Alberts. It's usually a couple percentage points higher, but it is what it is. I think it's Disney World's best restaurant 
Well, it's it's Disney. I think it's Disney's best restaurant when you can get into the chef's table. I was about to say that. Did you think that had the impact that now it's there is the Victoria Albert experience, but then there's the chef's table? Could that have be where your your point, points got eroded away, or you know? I, I think it's actually the opposite. I think it's uh, people who uh, book the chef's table or book the Queen Victoria room would probably mm. rate it slightly higher than the main dining room. There's nothing wrong with any of them. I think the wait staff there is is Disney's best wait no, staff. No, absolutely. I, I, think, I think the thing that, that weighs it down is is the price. So one of the things that we mm-hmm. say for every question that we ask on this survey, we know in the back mm-hmm. of our minds that readers append the words for the money I paid to mm-hmm. the end of every question. Even if you tell them, don't consider the money. No. Everyone considers the money in every question. And I think Victorian Alberts is one of those things. I mean, so Victorian Alberts, last time we were there, Laurel and I each ordered, again, the 10-course the tasting menu, which was probably a mistake. I think the 7-course menu is fine. We split one wine pairing, and I think we actually had caviar too. It, when all was said and done, it was about $1,000 mm-hmm. for dinner. That's a lot of money for dinner. Yeah, but if we're talking a once-in-a-lifetime experience... Yeah, I, but um, here's the thing. I don't think you can get out of it for less than 650 maybe 600 Wow. Yeah, and once-in-a-lifetime, sure. But mm-hmm. I think that cost is weighing on people, is weighing on that survey results a little bit more. I think that's what it takes to do that level of quality food and that, that sort of preparation and that sort of detail. That That's how much money it takes in terms of labor. I, I totally get it. But I think it is weighing. By the way, did you see that uh, Victorian Alberts has opened up a champagne and caviar bar on the side? No. I'll go, oh, but again, we're there. Know, okay. Okay. Next, next time we're there. Okay. All right. Number five spot, uh, a perennial member of this top ten list, Boma Flavors of Africa, the buffet over at Animal Kingdom, is always in the top ten, has always been in the top ten, will always be in the top ten. The interesting thing, I think, about this is they've they've got a ton of food. I mean, if you've if you've seen the buffet before, it's oh, no, what, the length of a football field. I mean, but how yeah, long? I mean, it's yeah. just a lot of food. They do manage to introduce African spices into certain dishes, like the grilled meats and whatnot. And I think mm-hmm. it's a very gentle introduction into those flavors. But I think they do it they do it really 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 really, really well. The desserts are great. The service is great. It's a little bit noisy. Uh, it's a little yeah, bit that, that would be my one complaint about it. But again, when you you factor in that you, you do get, you know, it's this intriguing balance between foods that you know, but spices that you may not. So it seems that I think that's, that's the combination that they hit. Yes. I yeah. think that's a, that's a great way to describe it. And that's what they do here. So it's uh, So it's really, really good. It's just exotic enough. Yeah, no, that, that's it exactly. For boobs like myself, I'm I'm traveling for the woods of New Hampshire, and it's like <laughs> curry. You know, it's like it's, you know, it's I, I'm walking on the wild side, Len. You know, like, <laughs> Speaking of curry, our number four restaurant, Sanaa, mm-hmm. over at Animal Kingdom Lodge, Kalani Village, ninety five percent thumbs up. So this is uh, basically Indian food, mm-hmm. um, pie and Indian. Uh, they do a really good butter chicken, their lamb vindaloo. I, I quite like, but I think the star of the service is their bread course. Mm-hmm. With the uh, with the nine tasting uh, nine dipping sauces, and I think uh, it used to be when you ordered the bread and they mm-hmm. gave you the choice of like three of the nine sauces, you you had to ask specifically and say that you would pay more for it. But I think after a while, they actually introduced the all nine dipping sauces option uh, on the menu, and I think it's a highlight of the uh, of the meal. Sanaa is, is fantastic; they do Indian food really well. Very vegetarian friendly, very vegan friendly. You can walk in there for lunch without a reservation. I think, I think it's yeah, fantastic. Those are all big pluses. Number three, and speaking of places for which you cannot walk in without a reservation, Beaches and Cream Soda Shop. The Beach Club Resort, 95% thumbs up. Wow. 
Wow. We got we got like 300 surveys for Beaches and Cream, which I think is literally the entire capacity of the restaurant for like a month. I think if, if we, that, somebody must have stood out, outside. Oh my god! Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it, they ha- they do a good burger. I gotta I gotta say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't tell you the number of friends who have done the the kitchen sink there, and you know they do <sighs> the whole table full of people getting diabetes all at once. <laughs> But, you know, but that, that wow, that's you know every time I go there or, or, or you know walk by there, I, where I can I'm, never get in. I mean, no, that's it exactly. Yeah. I, uh, honest to God, the last time I got into Beaches and Cream, I walked up to the booth mm-hmm. to Beaches and Cream, asked how long I wait to get in. The guy looked at me like we're, we're just not taking walk ups, mm-hmm. and I you know so I moved to the side and I was talking to I think it was Mike Scope. I talking and I was like, okay, where do you want to go? The f- person following me mm-hmm. said, hi, I'd like to cancel a reservation for two. I turned around and said, I'll take his reservation for two. And that's how I got in. <laughs> wow. Because you, you can't get in. You can't get into Beaches and Cream. It's just, it's, it's, it's like Be Our Guest, but on a much smaller scale. Your ability to get a reservation is essentially a lottery. There is no skill involved. Wow. So, all right. So now we're in Rarified Ahead. Number two, mm-hmm. Disney Springs. The number two rated table service restaurant for 2016 Walt Disney World. Splitsville. At Disney Springs, and it's been consistently in there since it opened. So it's a bowling alley with food, which is kind of amazing, but it's a very special bowling alley with food. I've been there a couple of times. I think the sushi's good. I think the flatbreads are okay. I haven't yet tried the steaks or anything over there. Uh, Burgers are good, obviously. But people seem to love this, and I don't know whether... I think some of this 95% thumbs up includes some element of surprise that it is as good as it is because it's supposed to be a bowling alley. It's more like a restaurant with bowling pins. Well, I, I just remember when it opened, getting to sit down with the, the two gentlemen who launched this idea. In fact, that they waited for years to get into Disney. I remember them describing how, well, we think we found a spot for you. The West Side, the, the old Virgin store. and in their, in their minds, there's tumbleweed blowing down the sidewalk. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just the notion of, okay, I, I think we can make that work. And God, did they ever. In fact, they, you know. The, they, they did. They were able to take advantage of the fact that when they were coming online, just as so many of the clubs and restaurants at Pleasure Island were closing, and all of these people who were used to going to Pleasure Island and having a, a place to dine or a place to have fun, it was like this, you know, became the default. So let's let's go over uh, best and worst at Disney Springs real quick because you mentioned the quality of the food there. So mm-hmm. top four restaurants at Disney Springs: Splitsville, number one, ninety-five percent; okay. Raglan Road. Number two, ninety-one percent. Mm-hmm. It gets ninety-one percent every year. It has got ninety-one yeah. percent every year. It will mm-hmm. get ninety-one percent every year. Raglan Road is a is a quality place that is also difficult uh, to get into. Mm-hmm. Number three, Chef Art Smith's Homecoming Kitchen, ninety-one percent thumbs up. It is a brand new restaurant, landed as the number three. Wow, in, that's it's only been like three months, hasn't it's it? It's a quality place, Jim. It, there is, I don't think there's anything bad on the menu. I think some of the things are fantastic. I think their desserts are great. I think their cocktails list is the best in Disney Springs. Wow. Uh, their fried chicken is no joke. They're, mm-hmm. it, it, literally, the only thing that I that I think is mediocre is, and we've talked about this, their pork barbecue. And, and the only reason I say that is because I, I live down the street from one of the best barbecue places in the United States. And I live in North Carolina. You know, so it's uh, you know, it's suffer in Yeah, hard but, to create on a curve when you live in that world. Yeah. So. <laughs> but I mean, everything is great. Art Smith himself is there. Uh, he's been there every time I've been there. You know, people always talk about you know, seeing them. He is, you know, like uh, Morimoto over at Morimoto's, uh, heavily mm-hmm. invested in the success of this particular restaurant. And it shows. It's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, 91% right at the gate is a testament to that. Number four, Boathouse, 90%. 
Bonus has always been in the top 10. Bonus will always be in the top 10. <laughs> wow. Bonus is a, is a consistently that's, good restaurant. you got to understand that Steve Slusser, the, the guy who, who brought that concept there, I mean, he fought with Disney to get it in there. They almost punish him like, you're the first guy through the door. And remember, when, oh. when Boathouse opened and it was like, walk through the construction site to get to this place. No, yeah, there were. I mean, there were times where you had to go literally walk by barricades to get to that place. Really, you had to follow a trail of shiny stones to find the place. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, I'm very happy to hear about that success. So, so we just did the top four. They all have a 90% thumbs up or above. Mm-hmm. Just in general, out of the 122,000 surveys we got, the average response was 89.7, so mm-hmm. pretty much an A. Standard deviation was about six, so 95 and above is definitely better than average. Correspondingly, anything with an, uh, a grade of like 83% or below mm-hmm. is below average. Anything with a survey result below 77 is significantly worse than average. Anything with a, a number below 71 is three standard deviations away from average and you're probably serving you know salmonella on a plate i'm I'm joking there (laughs) okay you've sufficiently lowered our hopes here len let's break the news (laughs) so let's talk about the worst restaurants at disney springs in the fifth fifth worst restaurant rated restaurant at disney springs bongo's cuban cafe 67 Um, percent thumbs up I don't know. The last time I was in there, it was it was one of these things where I was looking at the mosaics and realizing that this was made back in the 18th century, wasn't it? The best thing I can say about bongos is that it's a lot of space that's going to be very valuable one day. Yeah, in fact, you know, it's a general theme. The four worst rated restaurants at Disney Springs are mm-hmm. all the, the old restaurants. Portobello's Country Italian, Sartoria, 70%. Thumbs up. Paradiso, 37, 76%. Rainforest Cafe, 70, 76%. I mean, these are one, two, two standard, more than two standard deviations away from, from average. But the winner, Jim, if, mm. if you could call it the winner, the winner, the winner at being bad, Jim, mm-hmm. at a 60% thumbs up rating. Number 899 mm-hmm. out of the 909 places that we rate for food that you can get in Walt Disney World. There are 909 places that you can get. Food mm-hmm. in Walt Disney World. This is number 899 on the list. SDK. Really? <laughs> yes. To put this in perspective, Jim, it is lower than Captain Jack's used to be over at Disney Springs. It is, this is what they say is rarefied air. If by rarefied air you mean Beijing, China. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I remember going to the press. I, you, would you like to share your quote from that from that night, <laughs> which, which I, I will now use in the review of STK going forward? You can't spell stinks without STK. I mean, it's just, it was bad surface. It was small portions. You know, with being handed food, like, who would eat this? Yeah. I think your first sentence to me was, uh, I'm really going to enjoy this place when the next restaurant comes. It's 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 wonderful facility. Just, it, 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 and it'll be nice to have a real restaurant in there. I think, you know, they, they, we've said it before, they, they cater to the 25 to 30-year-old mm-hmm. market, which is not the market for Disney. The other thing I think that where they suffer in comparison is, on average, their menu items are about, their entrees are about $10 more oh, than, yeah. let's say, yeah. the boathouse. But the boathouse is literally across the walkway. Yeah. So yeah. theme doesn't fit more expensive. The food is good, mm-hmm. but more expensive, good, and not great themed does not compete these days in Disney Springs, right? The co- it's it, SDK as a, as, a, as a restaurant in Orlando would probably be fine. Yeah. But when you compare it to Art Smith's Homecoming, to the Boathouse, to Morimoto, to Splitsville, to Raglan Road, you got to do more than okay, $10 more expensive and caters to 25 to 35 years. It's just not the, 
You know, those three things combined, three strikes are out, man. The interesting thing for me on this is to see whether SDK shuts down this year, whether they just say fast fail and move on. Because you know it's costing them oh, a ton no. of money, right, no. to run that place? God, yeah. It's got to be, right? It's got to and, and But why continue? No, no restaurant since as long as we've been doing this survey, so it's, I've been doing this survey for almost 20 years, mm-hmm. no restaurant has ever come back from that kind of rate. It's never happened. By the way, the only restaurant that was lower than that, mm-hmm. the only sit-down restaurant, Planet Hollywood, and you know what happened to that. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's not going to come back. It would literally be unprecedented for SDK Orlando to come back for that. Now, the thing that I've heard about this that might actually complicate this is Wolfgang Puck, the sit-down restaurant, is not doing well. But you know Wolfgang has opened up these uh, steak restaurants called Cut, and the rumor that I heard is it's coming to Disney Springs. Now, why would another steak place come to Disney Springs? Boy, I think that's an accurate reading of the tea leaves. But would this be a situation where Wolfgang Pucks would abandon the pre-existing Disney Springs structure? I, I think that's that's it. That's what I've heard. That the existing Wolfgang Puck Cafe gets the gets. They'll keep the, still keep the Express, but the idea is that concept was great for the late 80s, early 90s, mm-hmm. but it's time to move on. The restaurants have changed. More importantly, I think one of the things that's happened in, in restaurants now is it's very hard to get kitchen staff. So kitchen staff wages have been rising. Oh, yeah. Correspondingly, the menu prices have been rising to pay for the kitchen staff, mm-hmm. and that means that you can't charge $40 for a flatbread. You have to move to menu items that justify those costs. So, uh, you know, Wolfgang Puck has done, done really well with, you know, sushi and flatbreads and and burgers and things like that, but those aren't menu items for which you can charge or get an average ticket of, you know, $40, $45 per person. He needs to move to steaks or, you know, mm. higher end cuts of, of meat to do that. So the, the larger trend in restaurants might be affecting that as well. The New York Times actually has a couple of really good articles. Number one on cut by Wolfgang Puck, and then number two, just the general trend in, in restaurants and why so many restaurants are closing these days because of, you know, wage pressure and, and, and ticket pressure. So. Oh, All right, so we, we have a few minutes. Uh, let's talk about uh, top 10 counter-service restaurants in Walt Disney World. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll go through them pretty quickly because uh, you guys are familiar with all of them. Columbia Harbor House, number 10 in the Magic Kingdom, 93% thumbs up. We've said it before. It is consistently rated as one of the highest rated restaurants in the Magic Kingdom. It is the highest rated restaurant this year in the Magic Kingdom. Actually, it's not. It's number two. There's another one okay. that's, uh, that's a surprise, but it's either number one or two. Number nine, Sunshine Seasons at Epcot, 93% thumbs up. You, they redid a little bit of their menu last year. I really like mm-hmm. it. Even with the crowds that you get around Soren, I think it's uh, it's still pretty good. They do a pork sandwich for breakfast that is fantastic. Hmm. Number eight, Yorkshire County Fish Shop over at the UK. A little surprised by this. I didn't think fish wow, and chips would be... really? I didn't I, think fish and chips would be this big of a hit. That's such a tiny little venue. It's a, it is literally a hole in the wall. It's a yeah. single window, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 94%, but, but they've, they've done well every year. Wow, I mean, it, it, it's quality, no doubt, but geez, wow, okay. We did a meet there one time where we, we were going to order lunch for 100, yep. and Disney somehow got wind of it, and the chefs mm-hmm. from Yorkshire County Fish Shop called us and said, don't do it. Mm-hmm. They said, we'll never be able to, to meet our own quality guidelines for serving mm-hmm. you that food. And they said, if you want to order it in waves or you want to tell us when you're coming, you, you know, we'll work with you, but we can't. We're, we're, there's no that we, no way that we can produce the quality that we want if you just show up. And and we worked with them. It was fantastic. I have to admit, I, I kind of like hearing that. Number seven, brand new restaurant, Disney Springs Blaze Pizza. Number seven counter service restaurant in Walt Disney World. Ninety five percent thumbs up. I gotta say, I, it may give Viennapoli a run for the best pizza in Walt Disney World. 
that's really not saying much, but Blaze Pizza, I think, is so good. I actually went, I seek it out whenever I'm in a different city. Like when we were in Boston, I tried to find one in Cambridge, and I did. Mm-hmm. And I think the one in Walt Disney World is better. There's a place in Greensboro here that opened up called Pieology, that same concept, you know, pizza mm-hmm. in three minutes. Fantastic stuff. I remember you talking about when it opened. You hadn't even found a place to sit down when your order was ready, right? I mean, that's how. Yeah, no. I mean, I I, like walked around, got a soda, came back, pizza was there. And the thing that I like about it is, every time I order a pizza, I like I like a crispier pizza, a well done pizza, and I will order it that way. Mm -hmm. Half the time, nobody listens to what I say. Yeah. But Blaze Pizza, every time I've ordered a pizza there, it's been done exactly right. They actually have a little indicator that they put on the pizza that says, you know, burn it. Or whatever, and I'm and I'm whatever, I, whatever. It works. I am fine with that. But they, I like their red sauce. I like the amount of toppings that they put on. If you put on too many toppings in a pizza, it gets mushy. Mm-hmm. They, they they do a great job. Every time I've been there, it's been good. They have an, an interesting sort of picnic table style seating, yep. which is fine. I think mm-hmm. it's a uh, good. All right, let's go on to number six: Flame Tree Barbecue, Animal Kingdom. Ninety-five percent thumbs up. Cannot argue with that. They smoke their own meat. Nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. I love their new seating area, by the way. Yeah, I, I, I would be shocked if there is not, at some point, years from now, Jim, that mm-hmm. our children might be able to see the debut of a seating area for Rivers of Light. When Hannah, when Hannah's children, when Hannah takes her own girl, children, girl, years from girl. now. Yeah. Excuse me, is that a wound? Can I rub a little salt in? <laughs> <laughs> Number five, Jim, the highest rated place in the Magic Kingdom, Sleepy mm-hmm. Hollow Refreshments. Over in Liberty Square. So this is the chicken and waffles and fruit and waffles place. You know, I gotta say, I once went to Compton, California with my family for Roscoe's chicken and waffles. Mm-hmm. So I, I like chicken and waffles. Is Sleepy Hollow the best chicken and waffles in the United States? Probably not. But it's, I guess it's good enough for what it is. I've had the funnel cake there. The problem is that once I have the funnel cake, everyone knows I've had the funnel cake because it's just yeah, because it's everywhere, right? <laughs> it's like you know, I know you were in Liberty Square, but did you did you really mean to wear the powdered wig? It's like I had funnel cake. Leave me alone. You know, <laughs> yeah. Long lines all the time for it, uh, but Sleepy Hollow is very good. All right, number four, and this is kind of rarefied air when you get here. Kringla Bakery Og Cafe over in Norway, 96% thumbs up. Kringla Bakery Og Cafe is always in the top 10. Kringla Bakery Og Cafe will always be in the top 10. It serves pastries, open-faced sandwiches, it's high-quality food, served by attractive people, very high prices. In many respects, it is exactly like being in the real Norway. <laughs> okay, no comment. <laughs> Number three, uh, and I actually ate here a couple weeks ago in Epcot, in France, Lazal's Boulangerie Patisserie, 97% thumbs up. Now, let's put that in perspective. That means that more than 32 out of 33 people who eat there like this place. I've been there for breakfast. I've been there for lunch. Uh, I've been there for dinner. Fantastic food. I think we've said it on this show before. My favorite thing to do is to order a baguette with ham and cheese from this place and walk around France because when I was actually in Paris one time doing some laundry, that is actually what I did. In Epcot, it is the most in-country-like experience I've ever had compared to me being in the real country. Eating the baguette in France from Les Halls is exactly like being in France and eating a baguette and walking around. I even said in the book, I think it's I think it's fantastic. The food is is done well. It is cooked by French people. It is served by French people. They are happy and cheerful to see you. In many ways, it is actually like France. Nothing wrong with Lazals. I actually recommend it for breakfast. Number two, we talked about this just a second. Wolfgang Puck Express over at Disney Springs. These are the pizzas. They mm. are custom made while you wait. Uh, it may be the the best pizza in uh, Walt Disney World. I think I often overlook this place. Hannah, my daughter, loves this, considers it her favorite restaurant in Walt Disney World. 97% thumbs up. No Number one, Jim. Can, mm-hmm. I'll give you a guess. It's a new restaurant. 
New restaurant, really? Yeah. You you might as well just start from A and work your way to Z. You're never going to guess it, but go ahead. Disney Springs. Go ahead. Disney Springs brand new restaurant counter service. Okay, my one brain cell is not firing. Cut to the chase. What are we talking about? The Daily Poutine, fries and gravy at Disney Springs, 98% thumbs up. And if you ever walk by the restaurant, the fact mm-hmm. that they don't have any tables means that you will see people sitting around on the concrete in front of you, their hands dipped into a bowl of fries covered in different sauces, for which they are, as far as I can tell, basically smearing them near their mouths in the hopes that some of the fries will... You know I have this thing for wet and dry food not touching. The daily poutine is is not going to be my thing. Everybody loves it. I've actually talked to people who've eaten there. Like when you know when you when you walk by when you're in you walk by. There are at any given time dozens of people mm-hmm. eating from the daily poutine. And and I've asked every one of them like, hey, is that any good? Mm-hmm. And everyone says you know some some variation on oh very good yeah right. But I met this I met, I never forget I met this family and they ordered mm-hmm. like it was three of them right mm-hmm. three women. I think it was like a daughter, mom, and grandmother. They told me they ordered one of the, the standard, you know, the standard fries, mm-hmm. and they thought they were going to share it. And as soon as they all had a little bit of it, they all went back and ordered, I guess, the four basic poutines that they have. And then instead of three of them sharing one poutine, three of them shared four of the poutines, and that's how good it was. And they, the, it was so good that as they were talking to me, they didn't stop eating. And this was like a 10-second conversation. They weren't trying to be rude. I think they just literally couldn't control themselves. It was kind of funny. So, yeah, Daily Poutine, number one rated counter-service restaurant in Walt Disney World. Congratulations, Daily Poutine. The whole thing about Disney Springs, about, you know, doubling the number of of restaurants, and and that, to me, always seemed the part of it's like, geez, that's going to be hard to pull off. Yeah, in the summer, you think that's, you know, summer and fries and gravy, but no, they've done it. No, no. I'm just sort of startled that so many of the the new Disney Spring prices have been so well-received. The thing I think that helps uh, Daily Poutine, too, it's it's so different. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the chicken and waffle of you mm-hmm. know uh, of that. So where it's it's different, people will like it. The sauces are good, and, and you know the quality's got to be there too. So I think that's uh, that helps out. But again, it shows you just what kind of competition these new places are facing at Disney Springs. Like Paddlefish when it opens, which is I guess is imminent when mm-hmm. it opens. It's like you know you're a new football team and your first game is against the New England Patriots. Congratulations, you know it's <laughs> yeah, good, 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 good luck with that. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll do. We'll talk about more about that. Maybe on the next show, we'll do. Uh, we'll do resort restaurants, and we'll go from there. Okay. That no. That this was fun. Made me very hungry. <laughs> All right. We'll uh, we'll end the show. Then. We'll get something. To eat. All right, folks. You've been listening to the Disney Dish podcast with Jim Hill. We are produced fabulously. I might add by Aaron Adams. Please go onto iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and rate our show. And please tell us what you would like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show. Take care. If you like the show we just did, Jim and I have a whole series of talks about the rides that Disney never built over at DisneyDish.BandCamp.com. Most of those shows are about an hour long, and they cover everything from Animal Kingdom's Beastly Kingdom rides, to the unbuilt Muppet restaurant, to the floating theme park on an aircraft carrier idea. Man, the drugs were better back in the 90s, right? Anyway, check those out at DisneyDish.BandCamp.com.